Welcome back to Three Person Book Club, a podcast dedicated to reading, reviewing, and reacting to YA fantasy. I am Izzo. And I am Sarah. And we are your book club. You, of course, are our third book club member. We're so happy to have you. We read The Atlas Six. We did read The Atlas Six. Because... We sure did. Everyone was talking about it. And they were like, this book is so amazing. Yeah. So we said, oh my gosh, let's try it. Let's see. I hated it. I did too. (laughs) I'm glad that you didn't like it because I also didn't like it. No, Um, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to force myself to finish reading. I'm so sorry. Does this mean we're going to get canceled by Book Talk? Uh, I sure hope not. Um... Book Sorry. Talk doesn't know we exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks to our third book club member um, for always listening, but we do know that there's only one other book club member. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the heart and soul of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I was not a fan of the Atlas Six. Uh, I'm a fan of the cover. The cover art is so good. Yeah. It's a great cover. It's way better than Tower of Dawn. Oh, Yeah. Would not be embarrassed carrying this around. <laughs> exactly. That's, if you don't get that joke, please go listen to prior episodes of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, the cover art is really cool. The um, overview, the summary of it is really cool. Um, it had all of the um, potential. Like I expected it to be really good. And parts of it, I will be fair, parts of it were good. Yeah. But then anytime they started getting some momentum of being interesting, it was like, okay, and now let's spend 20 pages in physics class. And I went, oh my God, I didn't want to take physics when I had to. Yeah. And it's also like, it didn't strike me as somebody who actually did like physics class. It did not strike me as the type of like science talk that is like, for anybody who's actually interested in science like it it felt like um it was calling attention to itself yeah i felt like a lot of things were really repeated ideas and moments were really repeated and i'm really bummed out because i was really excited for this book the summary sounds awesome Mm -hmm. we had just finished a thousand pages from kingdom of ash and we were finished with the whole throne of glass series i think part of the problem is that we started throne of glass knowing it was going to be bad like expecting to like like it in the way that you like b movies you know yeah but we started the atlas six thinking that it was going to be really good and maybe we had too high of expectations for it. Probably. We had that one review last episode that kind of gave us the more holistic view. And that was probably, I wish we had had a review like that before we had already decided on the Atlas Six. Because I think that one was very telling. Because the biggest comment in that review was it needed an editor. And it fully did need an editor. You could tell that it did not have one. Yeah, I totally agree. Like it was it was so dense. And I think that it like even the stuff the like very dense sciencey stuff, I think could have worked if the the way that it was presented was not as dense. I think one of the portions of the book that most clearly illustrates this issue is when uh they like it's their first night there and they get attacked by the forum or whatever. Mhm. 
they're in the middle of it's like a fight scene but then it's like just a huge page long uninterrupted paragraph of like nico's inner monologue of like contemplating how interesting it is that he's using his magic in the way that he's using it and like i forgot that they were fighting because there was no action description there was no reminder that people were shooting at them yes it was just like really dense thoughts yes and he got shot and i was like how did he get shot who has guns exactly and they just like there was no real like follow-through in anything that was happening yeah but they did that she did that constantly throughout the entire book. They would have, like, she'd have flashbacks in the middle of her starting a conversation with a character. So she would be like, oh, Libby started talking to Nico, but then while talking to Nico, she remembered this conversation she had with Tristan last week. Mm-hmm. And so instead, we have the entire conversation she had with Tristan, and then we go back to the conversation with Nico and it's like, it didn't flow. She does that on the phone with Ezra a lot. Yes, she does it on the phone with Ezra. I'm like, is she still on the phone with Ezra? And then it goes back and Ezra's like, are you still there? And I'm like, oh my God, she was still on the phone. I get having like one character who's like stuck in their own thoughts, but you can't have every single character do that. Yeah. It was so frustrating. But that was the other issue that I had. I felt like all of the characters were the same. Yeah, I agree with that to a certain extent. Let's give a recap. Have you done that already? No, we just went right in. (laughs) Okay, let's give, like we always do, let's give a recap of the book. Or let's like summarize what happened in the book. Okay, so we are introduced to these six characters. And they are chosen because they are the most incredibly talented mad people um they have a special name but it's like medians or something i don't know different than witches it wasn't clarified so i'm not really sure but anyway um they're the six most powerful magic users in the entire world they are brought to this mysterious house somewhere in london and they train for a year or learn stuff for a year and one of them has to get eliminated. They discover that the elimination process is actually killing someone. Which I called as soon as the book started. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did kind of guess that someone would have to die. Which I was surprised none of them figured that out sooner. Yeah, a bunch of fucking nerds who didn't figure out that eliminated means killed. I mean, come on. Are they really going to be like, oh, you can be a caretaker for the Library of Alexandria for a year, not inducted into our society, and then just go on about your life? They've never heard of or met anybody who was eliminated, but then they never put it together. Right. And I guess it just like follows them in this year at this school learning about these different concepts and exploring the library. And then at the end, we find out that the first three quarters of the book didn't even matter. Yeah, that's true. I was very frustrated by that. So yeah, it was just a weird... The ending wasn't satisfying because it felt like the ending was the most interesting part. But it didn't fit with the rest of the story that she had set up. No, it was like the end was supposed to be the plot the whole time. But then she was like, oh, shit, I only have like 60 pages left. So then she just crammed it all in and was like, Ezra can time travel. I don't know. I know. And then let me like, okay, wait, 
Let's talk about the ending. Okay. Can we do that? Yes, I would love okay. to talk about the ending because we kept it very vague in the summary. I think we nailed everything else in the summary. Like that's it, the whole book. I can't think of anything else that happened. I can't either. I am mad that they inducted the five of them without Libby. I am too. Also, let me know what you think of this. Mm-hmm. I reread the ending. Okay. Because I was so fucking confused. <laughs> okay. I reread the ending and I think that it takes place in the near future. I don't think it takes place in the present. The end. Yes. And so I feel like the ending of this book can be changed because that's what Ezra says about the near future is that he can go into it, but it's not like the near future is not set in stone yet. So you think he's meeting with them in the future? Like he's making his own team of six? Possibly. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, I hadn't thought about it in that way. I think that he kidnapped Libby in the near future. But he kidnapped her when um, when Tristan was supposed to kill Callum. And then Callum was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And go to that part. Go to that part in your book. Okay. I got to switch from Nine Perfect Strangers <laughs> back to my Atlas Six book. Okay. I'm going to be honest. I had like very few tabs in this book because I was so annoyed. But I did introduce the purple tab, which stands for... What the fuck is going on? Oh, okay. I did understand. Um, I went back to a purple tab and I understand it now. Yeah. So on page 370, Ezra says, the future can always be changed. And 373. I also, I don't understand their plan. Okay. So when he makes this plan to go in and kidnap her, Mm -hmm. it's not happening. So, okay. I, this is what I think. It is not happening when Tristan is supposed to kill Callum. It's happening when Tristan meets Ezra. Mm. So Ezra is in the present in that moment when he meets Tristan and immediately walks through that part of the wards that are him shaped that he can go through mm-hmm. and goes and steals Libby. Like as soon as she breaks up with him, he goes and steals her. But so much stuff happened after she breaks up with him. I know. But that's why this, like, that's part of the problem here is that for Ezra, it's happening in the future. And then, but the book was written, like, so we know everything in between. I mean, think about a book. Think about a book. The beginning and the ending both exist in your hands. So Ezra played it all through and then went back to right when Libby broke up with him and then took her. He didn't play it all through. Because, but all that stuff happened to Libby still. Like, after she broke up with him, she had her threesome. She had... Mm-mm, she broke up with Ezra after the threesome. That's why she broke up with Ezra. Oh, that's right. But then they find her body after they talk and he was going to kill her. After who talks? Tristan and Callum. Yeah, because they're not part of that. So, okay, scenario. Wait, I can time I get travel. It. I get it. Yes. Because yes. because Ezra says everyone views time as a flat circle, but it's just all laid out at once. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So they all did still experience time in a flat circle, but he pulled her from the middle of the puddle. I guess if that helps you think about it. Think about it this way. Okay. I can time travel and I'm going to time travel to next week when we record the next episode of this podcast. You will ex- still experience the next week. I will not experience it. I have gone to the future. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So Ezra went to the future. Everybody else stayed in the present. But that's why it's like confusing is like, are we seeing this from Ezra's perspective? Because if so, it's the future. Therefore, the entire ending of the book can change because Ezra says that the future is like more amorphous and can change. Yeah. 
I hate this book. I really did not like this. <laughs> well, if it was supposed to be that way, it needed to be done in a different way. You know, like we shouldn't have experienced the present then, you know, because it puts us in the present as the reader. Mm -hmm. But and I don't even know if that's her intention. Like, that's just my guess. But if it's supposed to be the future, we need to not feel as if it's the present. Yeah, there needed to be more clues set up. And just in general, I felt like there weren't enough clues to really understand the world as a whole for this entire book. Like, I didn't understand how magic worked in this world. Like, I guess they use it and they get tired and okay. They can see time. Yeah, you can see time. You can just like feel whatever. Like, I don't know. There was just, there was the rules about the way that magic worked in this world didn't make a lot of sense to me. I think that what she was trying to do is say that magic is just like physics or like any other thing that exists in the natural world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still governed by science, but it's governed by a type of science that we do not yet understand. So it feels magical. Oh, okay. And Tristan can like see that. Like Tristan can see how it fits into the natural world and how it's part of like science, but is like a new level of science. Okay. That makes sense. That's what I think. I don't know. There was a lot that was just, I mean, I guess, I don't know. There was a lot of just accepting what she told us just because there's not a strong enough understanding and not a strong enough foundation built for you to be able to solidly either understand or guess what could happen next. Yeah, you're right. I guessed that they were going to have to kill somebody. Yeah. And I guessed that Atlas was evil. Yeah, I guessed that too because he just, I didn't like his vibes. Yeah, but I did not guess anything else because it seemed like nothing was going to happen. It seemed like they were just going to figure out somebody to kill and kill them, you know, or I thought maybe that they would refuse to kill them and it would be like the ending of the Hunger Games. Yeah. Which I guess it kind of was. I guess, but sort of, but they still lost a member and so like that counted. What's great about the Hunger Games as like a trilogy is that the first book is like, she's got to survive this thing. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the first book, you realize that it's not about surviving the Hunger Games. It's about defeating the capital. Yeah. And then that's what the next two books are about. This book kind of does that. You realize that it's not about them being inducted into the society. It's about them fighting the society. Which they don't realize is bad. Yeah, so, like, is that what they're going to do? Or, like, I'm not really there. I don't know what's going to, like, that doesn't feel really earned. Yeah. And, like, my other issue is, like, did none of them think that this was weird? Yeah. Like, none of, they're all, like, the brightest minds, the, like, most powerful magic users. None of them saw this man and were like, hmm, this is a little weird. This random giant castle with this library, very weird. Yeah. And it could have been really good. Like, it's an interesting premise Mm -hmm. that they are caretakers of the Library of Alexandria. But then, like, that doesn't pay off. And I feel like, let's talk about the characters, actually, really quick. Because I feel like we're really supposed to like Parissa or Parisa. Do you know which one it is? Um, I don't know which one it is, but I think I pronounce it in my head as Parissa. Yeah, I do, too. Okay, so I think we're really supposed to like Parissa, but I don't at all. Like, I don't think she's cool. I don't think she's smart. I don't think that she is clever or cunning. I think that her manipulation is clunky and obvious. I think that she's really mean for no reason. Mm. And I think that her like tragic backstory that's supposed to make her redeemable, it falls flat because she's such an awful person. Yeah, 
I started to like her a little bit at the end because I did like how she played Callum in that battle. Like she had like put them all in Nico's head and showed them like, look how easily he destroys people. Like that I felt like was really good. Uh, what, uh, no, (laughs) sorry. I mean, yes, uh, your opinions are valid, but how is that any different than what she just did? Oh yeah, no, How is what he did any different? Because she manipulates, she does, she manipulates him and then she manipulates everyone else to be like, you see how easily he could kill you? We should kill him. Oh, I know. That is fucking crazy. And Libby is like, we shouldn't kill anyone. And everyone's like, Libby's insecure, so fuck her. <laughs> She's got anxiety and bad bangs. Yeah, what the fuck? Why do we talk about her freaking bangs so much? Who gives a shit about her bangs? God, I hated it so much. It was like any woman in this book who was like not interested in being like hypersexual was just like criticized the entire book and not like by the characters. It felt like by the author. Like Libby was just like torn apart the whole time and Raina was like- Nothingness. Discarded. Yeah, Raina had, she was so boring, which was so upsetting because I liked her the best. But I was going to say, I started to like Parissa at the end. After that, I thought that was like clever. It was also manipulative, but it was out manipulating him. And I was like, that's a smart way to play it. But then I didn't like her at the end again because everyone else is like, oh my gosh, we can't do this without Libby. That's really messed up. This is wrong for us to continue doing this without Libby. And she was like, well, I can't hear her thoughts anymore. So I don't really care about Libby anymore. And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> what about all the bonding we just apparently went through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't trust her. I don't like her. She reminds me of Atlas. I mean, think about Atlas. Like, he was supposed to be in it with Ezra, and now he's, like, totally screwing over Ezra. Mm-hmm. Even though Ezra, like, made the plan able to happen. Yeah, which I don't really understand their plan. It seems really flawed, but their plan was, I guess when they were like in the six person class, they were like, well, everyone wants to kill Ezra, but Ezra and Atlas were like, okay, well, we're the only cool people in this class. So what we're going to do is play the long game where Ezra disappears. And then Atlas creates a class of four people that Ezra can join. And then like the four perfect people to join with Ezra, they can kill somebody else. And then they'll have like the perfect combination of people to be able to like control all of the elements and universe and time and everything else. You know what? That does seem like a plan that like a 17 year old would come up with to be like, yes, oh, this is how we'll take down the system from the inside. So that does make sense why Ezra and Atlas were like, what a good idea. And then Atlas, I think, just got, I don't know. Power hungry? Yeah, power hungry. Got corrupted by the power. But then also was never like, this is a bad idea. No, he was never like, this is a bad idea. He's just like, I'm going to cut Ezra out of it and it'll be fine. But then the library will give him stuff. I think he found Dalton. And I think he was like, Dalton can do what Ezra was supposed to do better than Ezra can do it. Yeah, he's got Dalton and Tristan. So he doesn't need Ezra. Exactly. But then I'm like, okay, I don't care. And the reason I don't care is because Ezra was a twist when he was supposed to be a main character yes they didn't play ezra well enough yeah like i don't really like books that have a pov switch because it's almost never done well if you are giving me a pov switch Mm -hmm. the whole story has to change because your character's brain is different yeah if all of the characters are talking the same and thinking the same it's not a pov switch no, and they pretty much all were, except for, you know, who had, you know, the two characters that had a very distinct voice. Nico. And Libby. Mm-hmm. 
And I know that I started like literally the first chapter. I read the first chapter and I texted Izzo and I was like, this reads like Draco Hermione fan fiction. Yes. And then I started researching the author and the author writes a bunch of Draco Hermione fan fiction. (laughs) (laughs) So that, I mean, that's literally what this is. And like no shade to people who write fan fiction. That's fantastic. But like, it's so apparent that that's where this came from. It is a very different world to write fan fiction and to write a book which is, you know, discourse that's on Twitter all the time. And it is not shade at fan fiction to say that it's different and harder to write a book, but it is. Books are just inherently different. The great thing about fan fiction is that you don't really have to do world building and you don't really have to do character building because it is based on something that already exists. There is a lot of baggage though and a lot of things you have to live up to. So it is difficult in that regard. That's true. Because if you have something out of character for someone to do in the story, then yeah, you don't live it down. But in a novel, you don't have anything to fall back on. You can't be like, oh, they'll remember this from, you know, this episode or from this moment or from this book. There's not any of that. So you have to build that in on your own. And I felt like there were a lot of moments that I was like, Am I supposed to get this? What is is this referring to something? Yeah. Although, you know what? Okay, so I didn't like Callum for 99% of the book. But the 1% of the book, the only part of the book that I liked Callum was when Tristan had his meeting with him and was like, I'm supposed to kill you. And Callum was like, do you know what I did in the library? I read about everyone who was here. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, that's so smart. All these that nerds is really smart. and idiots. But you know what? I didn't know that they could do that because I don't know what's in this freaking library. And like, you know, but that one was planted because Reina is in the reading room with that other woman from Tokyo. And I was oh, like, how come right. only Asian people talk to Reina? Yeah. The one who was in Dalton's class? Yeah. And she had that book that was coverless or whatever. And it had like all of the secrets that was how she was able to be elected to some super powerful position or something. Oh, that's right. And she like blackmailed that dude. Mm-hmm. Or like leaked whatever about him. Okay. Yeah. I got it. So I I just didn't push that together. Callum was really like, what can the library give me? Because they all focused on, well, the library won't give me this because we're not on this topic. And the library won't give me this. And Callum was like, what will it give me? Yeah. So that was like the only time I liked him because I was like, that's really interesting. But I was fine not liking him because he was... I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. He was a really terrible character. Oh, yeah. Who gets a ticket, gets the golden ticket, you know? And that, I think that was good. Yeah. I mean, he played his part the way he was supposed to. He was a solid character. He did not change. His power is really awful, really scary. Did not like it. Yeah, me either. Parisa's is pretty much the same power. It is, yeah. But I think Parisa's is actually scarier because I feel like if somebody understands the way that I feel, can just like feel the way that I feel and make me feel certain ways, I'm like, that's not as scary to me as somebody planting thoughts in my brain and reading my thoughts. Yeah. Like that is scarier to me. I also... And she does it non-consensually. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. I was like, she, that's what I was going to say, that she doesn't, she doesn't have any consent. She doesn't ask for consent to go into people's brains, which you should if you're in like a class with them. That's just Mm -hmm. like basic politeness. Right. And also the fact that she has sex with people to get more information and more secrets. Honestly, the way that she talked about sex was so gross. It was. But she was like, you know, they open up around me and their brain opens up. And I was like, disgusting. Mm hmm. 
She was like, I'm going to make Dalton come so that I can get into his brain. Uh, yeah. That's so fucked up on so many levels. Like, that's like disturbing to me that someone would write that and be like, this is cool. And that people are like, this is a cool character. Well, the other thing that bothered me about it was she really planted all of these like, like she like let her scent linger. Mm -hmm. She leaned over far enough so that later on he would remember her or he would pass her scent and think of her. It was like stuff like that. She played the long game, like three months trying to seduce him to get what information? What did she even gain? It was really, really predatory and it made me super, super uncomfortable. And I felt bad for Dalton. Like when they finally got together, I was like not excited at all like for them to get together i wasn't looking forward to it i was like the whole time i was like rooting for dalton like get out of it you know yeah but he seems like really into her but she's not into him no no not at all she wants zero connection with him except for the only part of dalton that she likes is that castle that the different parts of him are, are trapped in yeah i'm like then you don't like him no i don't think that she thinks that she likes him no, but like she doesn't care about anyone. No, Parisa yeah. is a sociopath. Yeah, she is. More so than Callum, I think. Yeah. Because at least Callum can be like, I know that I'm turning off my empathy. Yeah. But Parisa, I think, thinks that she's like owed something. Like she's like, I can treat people this way because I was treated badly. Or I can treat people this way because I'm so much smarter than everyone else or whatever. Like Callum at least acknowledges that he is messed up. But Parisa thinks that she thinks that she's owed this. That she deserves to treat people like this. Yeah. I mean, Callum even points it out when they have like their little conversation before they're like, we're going to have a battle of the minds or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he says, you think you're so much better than me because you have sympathy and still choose to do the bad thing. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. I hate you. But like, you're making the valid point. So yeah, I think honestly, I don't really want to read book two. I'm gonna be fully honest. But well, it doesn't come out for like a year anyway. So we've got time. I was gonna say, I think he's gonna very quickly become people they're gonna like him better than Parissa in book two. Maybe. I wonder if we're gonna go back in time. Oh, to like Ezra and Dalton or uh Ezra and what's his face? Atlas? Ezra and Atlas does class? Maybe, but I mean more like go back in time to before Tristan tried to kill Callum and Libby was taken and all that kind of stuff. Oh. Because it's called the paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to review? I do want a review, yeah. Okay, I'll give a five-star review because I feel like we've been really negative and... Uh, I know. I feel like that that's what happens with us. Like, we have a hard time with, like, in the middle emotions. We either like it or we don't. Yeah. Mm, sorry. Um, This one is a five-star review from Lauren. Okay, Lauren. Okay, Lauren's title of her review is, This Isn't a Book. Oh, is she going to say, It's a Masterpiece. I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. I haven't stayed up to read through the night in years, but I stayed up until 2 a.m. to finish this. As a side note, I also stayed up until 2 a.m. to finish this because I did not want to spend another day reading it. I was late to work this morning because I did not want to have to come home and read more. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I will be late and stuck in traffic for that extra 10 minutes. Let me just power through these last five pages. I cannot. Yeah. 
Um, okay, I haven't stayed up to read through the night in years, but I stayed up until 2 a.m. to finish this. This truly is unlike anything else I've ever read. The way the author uses magic and science and history is beautiful and nuanced and unparalleled. What truly makes her a master of her craft, though, is that I finished the book thinking, who is the actual villain? And is anyone good? How Olive Blake creates people, not characters, is her gift. These are people. Their motivations, trauma, relationships with one another are just so raw and real. You're not reading a book. You are entering entering an Olive Blake universe. Uh... Maybe that's what's wrong with us. Maybe we just want to read books. Maybe we don't want to enter someone's universe. Um, I guess, you know, I do like some world building, but... I just, how can you think of it as a good thing? I finished the book thinking, who is the actual villain? I think there's a difference between a twist of like, oh, like the end of Harry Potter, like, oh, Quirrell was the bad guy the whole time. Like, that's like, who is the actual villain, you know? But the ending of this book is like, wait, who is the actual villain? Yeah, and it's, (laughs) how are they the villain? And what is happening? Why are they doing this? When are they doing this? When is this happening? (laughs) Yeah. We went through the whole spectrum. (laughs) How? (laughs) Yeah, so that's not a good thing. Okay, let's hear what Lisa has to say. Lisa also has a five-star review, and the title of it is Enthralling. Okay. I... I know. I'm really torn because I don't understand how people liked this book so much. And I feel bad saying that, but it really was... It felt so pretentious, and, like, the way that they spoke was so inhuman and robotic it was it did not feel like actual people talking okay wait let me read this review okay yeah lisa has the floor thank you i'm sorry lisa (laughs) i didn't mean to interrupt so much please share your thoughts okay lisa says a lot of stories with multiple povs have at least some of the characters falling short amazingly the atlas six balanced quite a few different characters and their point of view very extremely well i'm sorry we didn't talk uh, do you want to tell me about reyna lisa (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I did not want to skip a single chapter. (laughs) Right. I wanted to skip multiple chapters. (laughs) I'm sorry, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to interrupt, Lisa. I did not want to skip a single chapter, and I found myself fascinated by all of the main characters. Even the side characters who received a chapter or two with their own POV were interesting and gave wonderful insight into the world and the plot. I genuinely couldn't put this book down. 15 out of 10. Okay, here's my issue with this. She says, even the side characters who received a chapter or two with their own POV, that only happens with Ezra. Right. And Ezra is not a side character if the entire plot revolves around him. Right. It is, if it is supposed to be, this is Atlas's six, and Ezra at the end makes Ezra's six, Fowler's six, then he's not a side character. He's a very important role in this Olivy Blake universe. But even without that, so yeah, first of all, like that. And then even without that, the entire reason that they're there and the entire reason that the end of the book happens is because of Ezra. Mm-hmm. So it's like not really a twist. I don't know. It's not really a twist. So I was also thinking like Ezra, the first time that we see Ezra like outside of Libby and Nico being like, he's so boring. He's so average. You're not average. Mm-hmm. The first time that we see him do anything is when Tristan runs into him and they're in that like doorway or whatever. And Tristan is like traveling for the first time. Yeah. 
And then that's the first time that we ever see what Ezra can do. We don't know his magic until then. So I'm like, if you wanted Ezra to be like this big magical element in the story, you had to set up what his magic even was. Yeah. Because in the beginning, they made it sound like he was also a physical magic user. A physicist. Yeah. And he worked at some sort of... He was an RA. Yeah, he was an RA. And then after he was an RA, he worked at some sort of like consultant job. I don't understand the magic world. I don't either. Sounds very boring. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can use all this magic and you want me to be a consultant? I know. It seems like... I was confused about is magic like a cool thing here or is it a mundane thing or is it something that people understand or don't understand? Like, uh, is it secret? Is it not secret? Like, I don't really understand. It seems like it's not secret, but then it seems like it is secret. Yeah, it seems like it is secret because Libby couldn't use any of the magic medicine for her sister. Because it was too expensive. Oh, I thought it just which like how many things are we gonna cram into this book that's the other thing there was too much happening but also nothing happened yeah like too much line yeah nothing but truly nothing happened in this book until the truly last 30 happened. Book, the last 30 pages but then it was too confusing to be like wait what happened yeah but like how much commentary are you gonna fit into this book like it didn't need i feel like it did not need like a comment on capitalism <laughs> and like the elitism of magic like except well okay so i'll amend that it's like it was commenting on the elitism of magic and being like but these people but th- those people were all elitists mm-hmm. and that didn't seem like a point that was trying to be made it was like They were trying to make the opposite point that these are like the only people who can see through, you know, I think that they try to be like, okay, all these people who go through the society end up being these big important people, but it's all really soulless and like maybe it's unethical or whatever. And they kind of like set up for all six of these characters to sort of see through that and be super cynical about it. Mm -hmm. And while they are unbearably cynical from page one to page 380, they do not stand up with that cynicism. They don't stand up to anything. They don't make any points or, or try to fight on behalf of anyone else. They're just like part of the system, but seem to be unaware that they're part of the system. Yeah, they have but no then the idea. author seems to be unaware that they're part of the system. Yeah, they join the system at the end. They're like, we're going to be a part of the society now that we're full members and we'll be able to find Libby because we're full members now. But I also believe that even if they joined the forum, they would be part of the system. Oh yeah, the system, because the forum is the same system. Basically. That was the thing that was like, it seemed like Atlas was supposed to be, Atlas and Ezra were supposed to be, you know, we aren't rich. Everyone else Mm -hmm. who is a magic user is privileged and great. Mm -hmm. But then they join the system and Atlas changes completely and is corrupted, but only, I guess, sort of, because he still has the same plan, but now he's, I I mean, I really don't understand his plan. I don't either. Like, what? What is he trying to change? You know what I mean? Like, he can control time and space now. Yeah. And he can create wormholes and black holes and portals and, you know, he can do all kinds of stuff with these people, but I don't understand to what end. Right. Like, if you change the makeup of space and time, what else is there, first of all? And I guess that there are supposed to be, like, other dimensions and stuff, but, like, seems like from the little that we see of other dimensions, there's not much there. Yeah. And also, like, why? To destroy everything? Is the point to just destroy everything? Because that's sort of boring. Yeah. Well, it starts when he's talking to Ezra. They're like, you know, let's burn this society down and make a new one. 
And I'm like, okay, you don't have to completely demolish this one to enact change. Yeah. Like, if your point is to make information more accessible, you're now the caretaker. Yeah. You have the library. Mm-hmm. So just make it more accessible. Right. Well, I don't know that it would be that easy, but like them all fighting against the society is a lot more interesting to me than like Ezra now running the show, you know? Yeah. And Ezra has his own six at the end, but like they're all essentially, you know, like mercenaries. They're whoever pays them to do or steal whatever. But I think that that's irrelevant because if like without the Ezra twist, you have six people who are told you have to kill one of the people in this group and they say, no, we're not going to. And then they fight against the society like you end up at the same place Mm -hmm. but it makes more sense and there's not the moving parts of like ezra and time and atlas and i mean atlas can still be there and be the bad guy but like i'm i'm just like you know me i'm just like plot brain you know Mm -hmm. and the plot doesn't make sense but then like it's presented as if it makes the most sense and it's so clever but like being confusing is not the same thing as being clever right just because people can't understand your writing doesn't mean that it's good writing in fact it means the opposite yeah so okay so we don't talk too much about ourselves on this i mean i always try to talk about myself on this podcast (laughs) but we don't talk too much about our backgrounds but Izzo and i both work in film and the thing about when you're like writing or like making a movie if you screen in front of a focus group or if you workshop your script with like other writers Mm -hmm. and the response is this was confusing or like I didn't get it that's not like well you just didn't get it I'm just so smart that you just didn't get it right that's like your movie wasn't good like it (laughs) It wasn't people couldn't understand it Yeah, if people can't understand it, then you're not eliciting the emotional response that you're supposed to elicit. You're not making the point that you're trying to make. Like, what is the goal of this book above all other goals? Like, what is the reason that Olive Blake chose to write this? What point did she want? What was the takeaway of this book? And if I don't know what it is, then it's not effective. Yeah, it's not your audience's fault if your writing is not clear. Yeah, and if you think that they can't understand it because they're just too dumb and you're so smart, go enjoy living in your fake world with your smart people and everybody else is just so dumb it's not going to be successful and like i know that like this is popular and people like it or whatever but like you cannot pat yourself on the back for confusing people no that's just not fair and it's you know (laughs) this is a a rant that sarah and i've had multiple times so this isn't like all this isn't directed at olivy blake this is just yeah sorry (laughs) olivy This is just in general. It's very frustrating because, you know, like she said, we our background is storytelling, essentially. So we're just very tired of authors, writers, filmmakers using this crutch of, oh, well, you just didn't get it to evade answering a question that they didn't think of. Like your audience is not stupid anymore. It used to be like 15 years ago. Yes, your audience was stupid and you could get away with that stuff. Really? I think, yeah, I think like, 15 years ago your audience was dumb because you know they just not much had been done really I guess but so. now so many different types of stories are out so many different things have been told in unique ways that a lot of twists don't have their impact anymore because they're like oh well I remember another book or another show did a twist like this and so I kind of saw this coming so I think in that way you know our audiences are smart because they they have had the history of more interesting storytelling to draw on but 
because they have that history of interesting storytelling and so many twists that they've seen before, authors and writers and filmmakers, I think, are getting lazy with their twists. And they're not doing what makes the most sense with the story. They're doing what makes the most sense for shock value. What is going to be the most, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that coming. You should see it coming. Mm. It should be the surprising but inevitable ending where you go, oh my god, wow. Like that's how it should end. It shouldn't be, where did that even come from? That's crazy. That's not a satisfying twist. Mm. And it's why everyone makes so many jokes about M. Night Shyamalan in like full honesty. That's why. Because all of his twists are, oh my god, what? Not earned. Yeah, I mean, the twist in The Sixth Sense feels at least sort of fulfilling and like interesting because it adds to the story. Mm -hmm. This one doesn't really add to the story, I feel like. No. It's like an unnecessary complication that like comes out of nowhere. And also because I feel like it didn't make for a good twist because it felt like Ezra should have been introduced early on. Like he should have been a character that we were following continuously. So they sort of introduce him early. Because Reyna is told it's between you and a traveler who turns out to be Ezra. Yeah, which was not clear because Tristan is a traveler. Tristan is not a traveler. But he can travel. He can, but I don't think that Atlas knew that. Mm. So, yeah, that's true. but he is talking about Ezra. Yeah. And that's great. I actually liked that. I was like, oh, yeah, it's Ezra that they were talking about then. So, but what it could have been is it's between Reyna and a traveler. Then somebody breaks in. And we suspect that it's that traveler who didn't get invited. Yeah. And then something else happens. And, you know, maybe it's that or like Parissa goes into the castle thing in Dalton's mind. And there's something about that traveler. And the whole time we're like, okay, the antagonist is the traveler, is the traveler, is the traveler. And then it turns out, oh, my God, the traveler the whole time was Ezra. Yeah. That's a twist that makes sense because we know this is the antagonist the whole time, or at least this is another player in this game. And then... And then you still get, like, the who's the real antagonist. Go ahead. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can still get that reversal where you get that chapter from Ezra's point of view of his, like, history with Atlas. And then Atlas is the one who changes and messes up the whole plan. And then you're like, oh, wait. Yeah. We thought it was the Traveler, but it's Atlas. But he also Mm -hmm. was still bad because of everything that he did. But Atlas seems like worse. Like you can still Mm -hmm. have that reversal. Yeah, exactly. And then it all feels like it's cohesive instead of like literally out of nowhere. Suddenly Ezra is like a player. Yes. (laughs) It was very frustrating. I have a question from our third book club member, and this was submitted by Anne. All right, Anne, what is your question? Yes, so Anne Anne loves the Atlas Six. Oh, all right, Anne. (laughs) Sorry, Anne. Sorry, we should talk to it so much. We still love you, Anne. Yeah, we think you're great. (laughs) You're still welcome to our in our book club always. Yes, thanks for your question. Anne's question is: Do you think the Atlas Six is a found family? story no (laughs) extrapolate okay so it's hard because it feels like it has the elements of what found family is it is these like six random people who come together and bond but they don't bond they don't really get along for 90 no they hate each other yeah they like kind of hate each other for 90% of the book. And then they have- Four of them want to kill one of them. Yeah, they have to kill someone at the end. That's not found family. 
And then Libby gets kidnapped and Nico is, in, is like, concerned with finding her, but nobody else. Right. Nico is the only one who seems concerned. Tristan is a little bit, but that's only because he wants to bone down again. Mm. Parissa doesn't care. Callum doesn't care. Raina, you know, I would assume she cares a little bit, but it's hard to tell because she was given almost no character development. So what does she like ever at all, except old books? No, yeah, I'm not sure. I will say, you know who does feel like found family and who actually was my favorite character or my my two favorite characters in the whole book? Hmm. I bet you can guess. Well, I, I feel like you loved Reyna. Actually, are you going to say Reyna and Nico felt like found family? Because I was going to say they're probably the only two. No. Oh, Reyna and who? Tristan? How do you know it's Reyna? Because she was Raina... logical and cool-headed the whole time. <laughs> oh, well, I guess I walked right into that one. <laughs> Reyna and her plants. <laughs> <laughs> they were my favorite. <laughs> I loved them. How they were like, mother, mother, mother. <laughs> they were like... Mother is so smart. Mother is so smart. What a great idea. I just imagined them like, you know, like six year olds who are like, and then uh, my dad told me that um, 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 we can go to the water park later. That's how I imagined Raina's plants talking. (laughs) They were like, mother, 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 mother is alive. (laughs) Mother, mother, mother is excited. Mother's excited. (laughs) They're like, mother, mother, mother. I was just like, God, I need more of these plants. I know. That was part of why I was so disappointed that we didn't get more of Raina because she was so fun. Mm -hmm. She was the most interesting. And I was like, well, how do we only have like... She's also the most nihilistic. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. They were all so defeatist. I think Olive Blake did her dirty too because her power is, it's so powerful. And they talk about how it's so powerful, but then it all it boils down to is a battery. Yes. That's, I don't like that. I mean, the fact that the plants talk to her, which seems like it's very rare for a naturalist. Mm -hmm. Like, and maybe, but you know what? No, because Atlas is a, what, telepath? Yeah. So he would be able to hear that the plants are talking to her, right? Or is that something she can feel? I don't know. That's what really frustrates me is I feel like she has such a cool power that she can just control plants and not only control them but like like hers is entirely intent she can tell them what her intention is and they have their own mind and then yeah we don't do anything with it no except a fig tree sprouts a fig at one point yeah which is so boring and when she leaves the room the fern goes mother no Mother, no. I loved her plants. I thought they were so funny. I know. They're like, mother, mother, mother. Or they were like, mother, the air. Mother, it feels weird in here. Mother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> mother. <laughs> I'm being strangled, mother. Mother, tell them to stop. Mother, it feels yeah. weird. <laughs> I loved it so much. Mother said you had to invite me. Bring me into this other room. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. I did think it was interesting that Atlas doesn't have any plants in his office. Oh. Probably because he knew they would talk to Raina and be like, Mother, he's mean. He's so evil. Mother. <laughs> mother, he has Mother, he has Dalton trapped in a mind castle. <laughs> mother. <laughs> mother, he's making secret plans with a man. <laughs> mother, is that Lippy's boyfriend? Mother, mother. <laughs> We've never seen her boyfriend. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Well, some plant has. <laughs> In the universe, yeah, but... Yeah? 
You don't think plants can talk to each other? They can telepathically speak to her, which implies that they can telepathically speak to each other too. But through a magic castle with wards? I don't know. <laughs> but there's a garden. I also don't understand the layout of this building. <laughs> what building? I thought we were talking about Ezra. The library. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but the... <laughs> well, I was pissed off that there's a reading room and a painting room and you don't read in the reading room and the library doesn't have books. It's where you eat. I'm like, what? That's never explained. It was really confusing. I also, I thought that it was just going to be like, you know, a normal library where you have all of the shelves of books and you walk down and you take what you think would be interesting. But instead, you have to go up to the wall and be like, um, I think today, could I get a book about, uh, time? Oh, wait, is that how it works? It's what it seems like. And then it's like a vending machine and it comes and it delivers the book to you. And you go, thank you, library. I appreciate that. Are you serious? Is that how it works? Yes. Oh, I thought there was like a circulation desk that you go up to and you're like, um, today I would like a book about time. And they go, mm, let's check the computer, the magic computer to see if you are allowed to check out a book about time. Mm, yes, you are. Here you go. It is, but like in the wall of the reading room. And you just ask the books. Go, hi, library book. I thought it was like a person in a circulation desk. So what is that? What is that lady when she's waiting and talking to Reyna? What is she waiting for? She's waiting for her own book. It's like a, a vending machine. She asks. Yeah, but why would you have to wait? Because it has to go through its own files and the library like pushes it forward, like crowd surfing, but with books. So I'm the sorry. Pages of it the can... books move it forward. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. It is sentient and it can find any book that you are allowed to ask for, mm-hmm. but you have to sit and wait. Yeah, well, it has it to move it. can't just instantly from... deliver it to you. It has to move it all the way to you. Why are you trying to use that kind of logic when it's a building that can hear you? <laughs> You're like. It wouldn't make sense for it to instantly appear. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to have one tiny book walking around carrying another book to deliver it to you. Mother, 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 the books are walking. (laughs) Mother, the books are I have a feeling the plants are our new mort. (laughs) Mother, 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 there's a sentient doorknob. (laughs) Door knocker. I always call him a doorknob. You know, I do picture him like the doorknob from Alice in Wonderland, though. I picture the door knocker from Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Mort and the plants would be an amazing conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they would be like, mother, 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 we don't understand the riddle. And Mort would be like, figure it out. Yeah, you cannot ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> mother, mother, ask a book to help you with the riddle. No. <laughs> the books are too slow. <laughs> Did you think a small book would come and deliver the answer to you? <laughs> That's what we can't keep. We can't. There's this is not a crossover. We can't do it. <laughs> but that's maybe that's where Mort went to the Library of Alexandria. Oh, that would be nice that he's yeah safe and protected there. Yeah. Although constantly annoyed by plants. Mm-hmm. Hey Mort. Mother, hey Mort. Mother. Hey Mort. Mother, mother, mother. Hey Mort. Mother is alive. <laughs> that was so weird. But I loved it so much. Like it called to me. I was like, what? <laughs> me and these plants understand each other. I was like, whoa. What's happening? <laughs> there was just a deep connection between you and the plants. I know. There really was. I was, but I was thinking like, okay, you know how people always ask, like, if you could be a superhero or if you could have a superpower, what would you have? And I always have such a hard time with that because I think, sometimes I think telepathy, but then I'm like, oh, I don't want to hear what people oh, are thinking. Yeah, no. And then sometimes I think invisibility and then I'm like, mm, no, I would be too afraid that I would get stuck that way. I would never use it. Oh, yeah. So sometimes I think like teleportation, that would probably be the most useful one. Yeah, that's the one I 
I think I would do. I like that one the most. I can just hop around. Yeah, exactly. It's very useful. No more traffic. Yeah. So as I was reading this, I was thinking, okay, well, which character would I want to be? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I would want to be Reyna, not because Reyna's powers are the coolest or not because like she's the coolest or anything, although I did really like her. Mm-hmm. But I would love to chat with plants. <laughs> I would love it so much. <laughs> Just chatting them up. They'd go, Sarah, 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 Sarah. Hey. Yeah. They'd be like, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah. And I'd be like, what's up, Fern? I'd be like, what happened in this room when I was not in it? <laughs> That's true. They uh-huh. could tell you all the tea. Yes. I think that would be good. The plants would spill all the tea. And I would love it. Just gossiping with plants all the time. Because you know you're the only person who can communicate with them. So they can hear other people, but they can't talk to other people. So you are the keeper of the tea. Ooh. I know. That would be really good. And also like little companions. I mean, I love that. Little companions. Yeah. You could have a little air plant that you just have pinned to you all the time. Yeah, like a pet. Like, yeah. That you can talk to. Yeah. Low maintenance. Yeah. That's a great gift idea. Yeah. So if you're looking for, for any, <laughs> if you're looking for any the Atlas Six themed gifts, give someone a plant that can talk to them, but only them. Yeah, because then they get all the information and they have a little buddy forever. So I think just to wrap that up, we decided that the only found family is Reyna and her plants. Yeah, sometimes Reyna and Nico and Libby felt like a found family. Kind of, but everybody hated Libby so much and Nico was like so wrapped up in the Gideon thing. We'll talk about all the ships. Yeah, so I felt like no to found family, Yeah, but... It did, it had all the elements of found family and it really made me want to read a good found family. Yeah. So it succeeded in that way in wanting, in making me want to read a book that does the thing better. Yeah. Which, you know, if you are a fan of found family and you liked this kind of magical world, I highly recommend The Raven Cycle by Maggie. I don't know how to say her now, Sam. I'm so sorry. But the first one in the series is The Raven Boys. That one does have a very good found family. Do you want another review? I do, yeah. All right, let's get a one-star review. Somebody who's as negative as we are. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. Commiserate with us. Okay, this is a one-star review from Poppy. Poppy? Yeah, like the flower, not like the Spanish name. Okay, one-star review from Poppy. I might be one of only a few people who did not enjoy this book. I wouldn't recommend it to an enemy. Ooh. The plot? I know. The plot, boring. The characters, flat and boring. The writing, Mm. mostly okay, but certainly had very cringy moments. Mm. I found myself dreading each turn of a page, sighing at each chapter. I normally enjoy books of this sort, but this one just didn't do it for me. Yeah, that's... You know what? Poppy understands. Thank Mm -hmm. you. Because I felt like... I really felt like we were the outsiders on this. Like, I felt like everyone loved it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, here's another one. This is from Addison. Okay, Addison. This is a one-star review from Addison. Addison says, half a star for the pictures. There were good pictures. They were really cool. I do wish that they were labeled. Yeah, I didn't know who was who. Yeah. And I didn't want to, like, guess and label them wrong. Yeah. I wish there was a little, like, tag or something on them. Okay, half a star for the pictures, half a star for the wasted potential of a plot that never happened. Ooh. I would say I hated the plot of this book, but there was no plot. Literally. None of the characters interacted. It was so philosophical, I had no idea half the time what the author was trying to explain to the reader. So much telling, only telling, no showing. Yes. This book needed an editor. Mm-hmm. I was so bored. The characters themselves were not interesting and hard to relate to or understand. The author favored some characters over others, so some of the characters never got development, which had me sitting here thinking, they aren't contributing to the story. The author barely mentions them. They don't have as many POVs like the other characters, so why are they here? 
Reina. Quite literally one of the worst books I have ever read. I'm not sorry. Ooh, that one's a harsh one. That was a harsh one. I want to say just because I didn't say this at the beginning, we invited Olive Blake onto the show. We did. To be fair, we don't have a whole lot of followers on Twitter, so I can imagine that she didn't think it was super realistic. Don't do excuses. Don't make excuses. <laughs> this was an opportunity for her to explain herself. <laughs> yeah. She did not respond to our DM on Twitter, which is fine. I didn't go through her agent. Which I should have, but we don't have any money, so I didn't want to go through an agent and waste her time. (laughs) We're but a simple book club podcast. We are. Yeah. So simple. And also solo budget. Yeah. But I would have liked to have all of you on here just to ask her some questions about like, what inspired this book? I also would like to know what inspired it. What inspired her characters? What she feels like their main motivation is? Yeah. I would have loved to have heard that. Because in all honesty, reading it, I couldn't tell what they all wanted. They were all like, we all want to be a part of this society because we're all trying to get something different from the library. And I was like, but what are they trying to get? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the idea that they're all trying to get power, like, it's so funny how the factions were split because it was very clear that, like, Parissa, Callum, and Tristan were all using this as a way to get power. Mm-hmm. And Reyna, Nico, and Libby were all using it as a way to get knowledge. Yeah. And that was really interesting. But that was abandoned. It was kind of. And it's and sadly, because I think that it was set up really well. And I was like, ooh, okay, these are going to be the factions. And like, if we had seen Reyna and Nico and Libby all stick together and Parissa and Tristan and Callum tear each other apart like that would have been more interesting to me like who deciding who they're gonna kill but then also like I just really not to be prescriptive but I just really feel like it should have ended with them refusing to kill anyone yeah which is what Libby was gonna do yeah I don't know it just felt really weird yeah the biggest thing is that there wasn't a plot like all of the book is them going to lessons and learning they're just in school and that was so boring i don't want to read about going to school yeah yeah i think you sent this to me in a text but you compared it to like going to hogwarts and like going to classes with harry Mm -hmm. and we do that sometimes we do go to his classes but something always goes wrong yes like in potions class when he gets picked on by snape or in defense against the dark arts class like something always goes wrong and it's always like a piece of information is revealed that's going to help or come back later in the plot yeah but this was like quantum physics and that goes back to like maybe i'm like unfairly angry because i i don't think that like to give alvi blake the benefit of the doubt i don't think that she's like trying to be pretentious or trying to make her audience feel bad or anything but like i just don't like the idea of being like my book is about magic and quantum physics and if you don't get it then like, that's on you. Yeah, be smarter, learn physics. (laughs) Exactly. And on that note, I just want to, this is a very short review that I want to give. This is uh, Midha, I think, on Goodreads, who gave it a one-star review. And sort of in that like same line of thinking, the review is very short. It says, everything I learned about time from this book was against my will. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel too, actually. Yeah. Everything that I learned about physics 
and the universe was against my will. Yeah. I kept waiting for it to be relevant. Yeah. Really what it was. Like, this is the boring part of the society. I wanted to see the fun parts. It's like this book was entirely exposition. So, like, if they created a wormhole or whatever, I think they did, right? If they created a wormhole... They did. And then, like, that's how they go find Libby. That would be interesting. And, like, that would be something that pays off. But instead, it just feels like we learned about wormholes just to learn about wormholes. Yes, we learned about wormholes. We learned about time. We talked about electrons. But we didn't actually. We learned about, like, we thought about philosophical concepts. What if thought and time are related? Which, like, yes, we have always known that thought and time are related. That's how the Greeks discovered time was linear or, like, created the idea that time was linear because thought is linear. Right. This is not groundbreaking stuff. And so then for it to be, like, these people who are supposed to be, like, the smartest people on the planet sitting in the Library of Alexandria being like, what if thought and time are connected? It it just feels like pseudo-philosophy. Yeah, it was very frustrating because I don't remember who said it, but it was like, I'm just restating ideas that other people have told me. And like, that's what this whole book felt like. It felt like her restating ideas that someone else had told her from an actual physicist. I feel like we need a middle of the road perspective. What do you think? Yeah, I need I need like a positive and negative because the positive, the five stars were too positive. They were too positive and that's not, I couldn't get behind that. Mm-mm. And the one stars is how I feel already. So I need someone to point out a positive because a lot of people like on book Twitter like to point out one of the positives was that threesome, but that scene really bothered me. Yeah, it was very, I mean, I don't know any other word for it except rapey. It I was, was just going to say it was non-consensual. Yeah. They were like incredibly drunk. She was very clearly distraught. She had just been confronted by this guy who was like, hey, remember your dead sister? And then she goes for comfort and instead gets like poured alcohol down her throat and like thrust into the arms of two people. And one person who can read her thoughts. Yes. And like it was Libby of all people. Yeah. And they don't like her. (laughs) Like they don't like her. She was manipulated. I think that thoughts were placed in her head. I think, I don't know if thoughts were placed or if they were eased the way that Callum eases. I think they were placed. It seemed so out of character for Libby. It did seem out of character. It seemed so out of character. I didn't expect it. Like if anyone was going to have a threesome, I would expect it to be, well, you know, I didn't really expect it to be Tristan either. Like Parisa and Callum. Yeah. They both seem like they probably would be in a threesome, but not with anyone else in the society. No. Okay, you ready for a three-star review? This one's kind of short. Yeah. Okay, three stars from Joycey. Joycey says, y'all, anything beyond the conversations the characters had while reading gave me a massive headache. I have no idea what the fuck this is really about or what exactly went on, if I'm being honest. I just hope the next book gives us answers. Yeah, I don't think it will, though. I think it's just going to give more questions. And then in the last book, because I'm assuming it's going to be a trilogy. Yeah. I think in the last book, she's going to patch holes and answer only half the questions and be like, well, the first few questions were from forever ago and really confusing. So I'm sure they'll all forget about it. 
Yeah, this is also an interesting three-star review. It's from Priya. She says, interesting magic system and an okay cast of characters, but it was so slow-paced and a lot of the world and political aspects just contradicted each other. Like, why kind of try to critique capitalism and elitism while simultaneously doing the whole overpopulation is the reason for the planet dying thing? Mm -hmm. Unless this is something that gets walked back eventually. Felt like a lot of setup for a more dynamic second book. I think that's true. A lot of it felt very expositional. Yeah, and you can't have an entire book of exposition. No. I also, I felt like their year, if you're going to break it up into all of those different sections, I felt like there should have been trials or tests with each section. Yeah, I felt like that too. That's a good point. Because Callum didn't do anything. Neither did Parissa. They didn't learn anything. No. And like, it seemed like that was okay. Like, if you didn't learn anything, okay. Like, the thing with Parissa and Callum was interesting because it is that. It's basically a magic duel. Yeah. Although I thought it was really cheap that it was like, it was in Nico's head the whole time. Yeah. Like, okay. Although it was impressive. It, it finally showed off, like, the skill that Parissa had mm-hmm. because she was able to perfectly recreate the entire thing. But then when she told them to have a talisman, I thought that was going to be more important than it was. Well, it kind of was because... Tristan was considering not killing Callum and he wrote down what drink he wanted to order on that slip of paper Mm -hmm. just to see if Callum would manipulate him or not. And it turns out he did because he made him drink whiskey instead of wine. I mean, like, I know. And I'm like, there's a better way to do that. That's first of all, clearer. And second of all, like more interesting. Yeah, that was one of my purple spots. I didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. I was like, that's really confusing. And then I went back and I was like, oh, okay. But like, that's also, I don't know, that's like a dumb thing to manipulate and be mad about. Like, well, I think it shows that like Callum will manipulate you even over the smallest things, like what he wants you to drink. Oh. Yeah. So, but I agree. Like, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, it's a drink. Right. Why couldn't they get different drinks also? But also, did he manipulate him or... I know it's also very it's not clear and in that final conversation that Tristan is having with Callum Callum uses his power on him and is like this is what it feels like when I manipulate you have you ever felt this no right but is that a manipulation yeah probably because you know he can probably manipulate small things and like plant ideas but the thing about Parissa's is you can't feel her. You have no idea. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the Atlas Six is academic rivals to lovers? No. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> who's who's an academic li- rival who becomes lovers? Who? Not Tristan and Libby. Not Parissa and Dalton. No, everyone wants it to be Nico and Libby. Not Nico and Libby. They're not together. No, they don't even kiss. They don't even hold hands. No, they barely like each other. The end of the book, he finally makes one compliment to her. He calls her better than average. Like, okay. I mean, the thing about Nico is that he's too obsessed with Gideon to be able to think about anyone else. Let's talk about the ships here. There's Nico Libby, Mm -hmm. Nico Gideon, Libby Tristan, Parissa Tristan, Tristan Callum, Dalton Parissa, Atlas Ezra, Ezra Libby. There's a lot going on. It's like Love Island. I know, but like not sexy. (laughs) 
Yeah, ouch. <laughs> just messy, not sexy, just messy. Maybe that should be the name of our review. <laughs> just messy, not sexy. Yeah, just messy, not sexy. I mean, I think we have to give it like one spicy pepper just because there's a threesome, but it's not good. Yeah, it's not a it's not a sexy scene. It's like a sad, uncomfortable scene. Yes, and like And then Libby she says like, like don't. Sure d- yes. Yep, we're, we're going to go literally the saying the same spot. thing. Yeah, where she's like don't let me wake up alone. Like, oh my gosh. I know. I was like, oh God, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's really embarrassing and really sad. It's I was so like, I could sad. never. No, it's, but that's, that only pointed out how out of character this whole thing was. Like, I was about to say that's, that was one of the moments that made me think that it was like Parissa put these thoughts into her head to do this. Like, that's not, uh, anyway, we've talked about that. I really, I really disliked that scene in a book of things that I disliked. That one mm-hmm. really stood out. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. Okay, so ships. Yeah, so who do you ship? I don't know. Kind of none of them. I know, me either. They all kind of suck. I did like Libby and Tristan until the threesome and then the awkwardness yeah. that they had afterwards. I feel like I would like it if he actually like stood up for her and like showed that he cares for her. Yeah. But he just like lets everybody pick on her and is like ashamed that he kind of likes her. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like a secret. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I do kind of like Nico Libby. I like their friendship that they're developing. I do too. I don't really want them to date, in all honesty. I kind of do. I'm like on the fence. Like they could or they couldn't. I'm not that invested. Yeah, I'm not that invested in it. Yeah. Nico Gideon, I like, but it doesn't, I don't know. It's hard because Nico takes care of Gideon so much. It doesn't feel like an even relationship. Yeah. It feels like he's like more like a parent. Yeah. And Gideon doesn't want him to do that. that. That's the other thing that makes their relationship unhealthy is that Gideon is like, you made it so that I couldn't see my mom. And Nico's like, well, that's the best thing for you. Like, you guys are college roommates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just like, it was too heavy and too much. Yeah. So like, they don't have a great, they have like kind of an unhealthy relationship. And then Parissa and Dalton. Yeah. She's manipulating him the entire time. Yeah. And he's like trapped in a mind castle. I do kind of like the idea that he's using her, like letting her get into his mind to help free him from his mind castle. Yeah. I did like that. And he was like, he's coming again. So we don't have much time. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. But once again, last 60 pages of the book. It's like the real plot is so hidden behind all this like pretentious pseudo philosophy that it's like, it's not actually an interesting book. Yes. Like those parts about it are interesting, but like the whole like, what if we could see time? I'm like, uh. I know. I'm like, well, I can't see time, so I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you show me that you can and you're using it to do cool stuff, like I'm interested in that. But if you're just like, theoretically, if someone could see time and theoretically, if they could stop time then what would that might be like? And also, what might that mean for philosophy? Like, I don't care. Yeah. And then, uh, okay, so who else is there? I think that's it, right? Atlas and Ezra? Ugh, lame. Hate them. Not a ship. Not interested. (laughs) Just because you're not interested doesn't mean it's not a ship. Okay, fine. Ezra and Libby, she was so mean to him. Yeah, she was really mean to him. Okay, let's write our review. You want to do that? Ugh, I guess. What do you want to give it? Two stars? Three stars? I was gonna give it one star. One in all star. honesty, Did I not would like not recommend. Yeah, I would not recommend it. I would not read it again. Okay, let's write a review. Let's write. Let's write a review. 
Review time, review time. Let's write our review. In our opinion, this book did not live up to the hype. It has a fantastic premise. Magic, yes. Dark Academia, yes. Six randos who have to live together inside of a library, right up our alley. Yeah. But the author seemed more concerned with pseudo-philosophy and science than writing a compelling, understandable plotline. Yeah. The characters felt flat because they were all one thing. Although there were six characters, it felt like there were actually only two. Parissa, Tristan, Callum, and Nico, Libby, Reyna. The plants were cool, though. Five stars if the book was only about Reyna and her plants. <laughs> we give this one spicy pepper out of five on our pepper scale because there was a threesome, but it was non-consensual. Yeah. For a book that talks about sex so often, it was not sexy. Like the rest of the book, it was so sterile. It was like reading about sex in a science textbook. <laughs> Yes. And maybe that's like a stance that she was taking because that's how Parissa views sex as just a thing to get what she wants. But what about when it was Tristan and and Libby? I mean, part of that scene was from Libby's point of view and part of that scene was from Tristan's point of view. Yeah, but it was still written as if it's how Parissa views sex. Right. It was very clinical. It was like, and this is step one of what is happening. And here are all of the thoughts and ideas about why sex is this way. And what do you think in the grand scheme of the universe sex with this person is going to mean and i was like oh my god uh nothing it means nothing but it's made me uncomfortable thanks thanks i hated it yeah this book is all just one big red tab it really was i did lose my tabs halfway through reading so i had to switch them so my red tab is now like hot pink but this whole book would have been hot pink tabs yeah i decided to not do that because i was like oh what a waste of tabs I'm just going to know I didn't like it. Okay, so we have These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Oh, okay. That one has a cool cover. What's the third one? The third one is Ninth House by Leigh Bardugo. I don't know. Which one do you think? Do you want me to do a random number generator? Yeah. Okay. So we're just going to do a random number generator. Yeah. Let's see what book we're reading next. Because we couldn't decide. One is going to be These Violent Delights. Two. Okay, so one. Sorry, so I'm doing it at a 12. One. I'm, I don't know why I tried to make it complicated. One, four, seven, and ten. One, Wha- four, seven, and ten is These Violent Delights. <laughs> <laughs> two. <laughs> why did you do it out of ten? We have a did it out of 12. We have three more. I know I did it out of 12. So it's divisible by three. I get that. Yeah. But <laughs> one, four, seven, and ten. <laughs> These Two, five, eight, and eleven are the invisible life of what's her face? <laughs> Addie LaRue. Three, six, nine, and twelve are ninth house. Okay, ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. The universe Should is Should I just click until us. we get the one that we want? You know okay, what? Okay, no, I'll just do one click. But you know what? This feels uh, this feels like completely accurate for the Atlas Six because we made it more complicated than necessary, and we're leaving it up to the universe. <laughs> yep. Here we go. Ezra, guide our random numbers. <laughs> what should we read next, Ezra? One. <gasps> Ooh, we are reading these violent delights by Chloe Gong next. Yep. 
The year is 1926 and Shanghai hums to the tune of debauchery. A blood feud between two gangs runs the street red, numbing the city to its chaos. At the heart of it all is 18-year-old Juliet Kai, a former flapper girl who has returned to begin her duties as the proud heir of the Scarlet Gang, a network of criminals far above the law. Their only rivals in power are the White Flowers, who have fought the Scarlets for generations. And behind every move is their heir, Roma Montagov, who was Juliet's first love until he betrayed her. But when gangsters on both sides start clawing their own throats out, the people start to whisper, of a contagion, a madness, of a monster in the shadows. As the deaths stack up, Juliet and Roma must set their guns aside and work together, no matter their personal grudges. For if they cannot contain this mayhem, then there will be no city left for either to rule. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So thanks for coming on this journey with us through the Atlas Six. We're sorry if you didn't like it. If or I'm, I am sorry if you didn't like it, but we're sorry if you did like it because we did not like it. And if you did like it and you feel like we just really missed something, send us an email at 3pbcpodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at 3pbc underscore podcast. If you have already read These Violent Delights and you want to submit a discussion question, or if you're reading along with us and you want to submit a discussion question for us to talk about on the show, email us, tweet at us, post on a subreddit having to do with this, and I'll probably find it as well. Yeah, we do. We love to hear from you guys. And if there are any other books that you think that we should check out, please let us know because we are we are dying to give out a five star review. We really are. Yeah, I really want to read a book that I like. I haven't yet. Yeah, maybe maybe we're the problem. (laughs) Oh, no. Has the problem been us all along? (laughs) You know what? I don't feel like being introspective. So no, we're not the problem ever. No. So send us really good books that'll give us a five star (laughs) Yay. In two weeks, we will be back talking about These Violent Delights by Chloe Gong. And we are very excited to talk about it with you. Happy reading. Bye.